Hello, and welcome to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host and colony coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow in the historic arts village of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We provide uninterrupted residency time for writers of all genres, whether you're writing a novel, short stories, poetry, cookbooks, a script, a play, a grant, a sermon, a speech, whatever you are writing, you are welcome here without discrimination. During the Right Now at the Writer's Colony podcast, you will get to join me in conversation with some of the writers in residence. They come from all over the world, from all walks of life to create. You'll also come alongside me and talk with artists, writers, and visionaries of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and our local community. And together with some very special guests, we'll discover just what is happening right now at the Writer's Colony. So welcome, and thank you for listening. Welcome to this episode of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with playwright Margie Similoff, who is staying here at the Colony, to work on a new full-length play she will submit to the Boston Project. The play is about nostalgia and loneliness and how easy it can be to fall behind, but also how little it might take to turn it all around with a fresh perspective. Margie is a Boston-based playwright whose short plays have been produced in a variety of regional and national festivals. Her plays have been featured at the Group Rep in Los Angeles and Theater East in New York City, just to name a few. In 2019, she was commissioned by Theater East to write short pieces for the 5 by 5 festival that ran in conjunction with the New York City Pride Festival. Margie is vice president of Playwrights Platform, a playwright cooperative in Boston. And a little bit later in this episode, we will hear Bella Vista poet Michael Fontana read a poem he read at Poet Luck, our third Thursday of the month showcase of writers and poets in residence at the Writers' Colony, as well as talented local writers and poets from our community. Poet Luck is free and open to all, and we invite you to join us. I'll share a little bit more about Michael before he reads. For now... Let's dive into our conversation with Margie Similoff, playwright. Well, welcome. I'm glad Thank you're you. here. Oh, I'm glad I'm here too. It's great. So Margie, you're a playwright. I am. So how many plays have you written? Well, so I have completed and I'm out, I'm workshopping a, my first full length. Okay. I'm working on my second and I have uh, many 10 minute plays and I didn't know that this was a thing, but there are one-minute plays. Oh, really? And yeah, there's a, there are now one-minute play festivals, which is interesting. Because Have you ever written a one-minute play? I did once as a, for fun. I uh-huh. had a conversation with a friend of mine, and it was a really funny conversation. And I wrote a one-page play, because it's one page. Okay. One it has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay. And I submitted it. And actually, on Tuesday morning, it was from a, a theater in Spokane, uh-huh. Washington, and they accepted it. Wow. So I was very excited that my one-minute play that yeah. was written as sort of a joke yeah. got accepted in their one-minute play festival. That's cool. First for me. 
So a lot of your 10-minute plays have been performed all they over, have, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so well, when I was looking on your website and kind of uh, looking at your different plays, I, was, I know that plays are about relationships, right? They're really about, I guess, not all plays, but mm-hmm. a lot of them are about... Well, it seemed to me, I should say, that your plays really seemed about human, seemed to be about human relationships from mm-hmm. the synopses that I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, is that is that the direction that you take with it, or um, or what? I don't, I don't plan it. Okay. I think what happens with me anyway is that I'll have it'll start with a funny story or an interesting story or just some odd situation yeah. and I all build something around that. Okay. So if something strikes me as being really funny or there was a funny vignette, I'll look for ways to um, embellish it, I guess, into yeah. a story. And, I, and as I've been doing it, I've also learned that it's a very effective way to say something that's on your mind. Um, so do you feel like you actually say something through your characters about Most them? of the time I do. Yeah. Because you can actually say things through your characters that you would never say right. in person because, you know, in the environment today you'd get in a lot of trouble. People right. would yell at you. Right. Um, and I'm a very, I'm an introverted person. Right. I feel like the play gives me a way to be more extroverted. Right. Well, how long have you written plays? Only about five years. Oh, really? Yeah, I was a journalist before that. Okay. And playwriting for me was more natural, a more natural extension of journalism because when you're quoting people, you're listening for dialogue all the time. Oh, yeah. So I had many years of experience with dialogue. Yeah. And, um... And with plays, you just have to learn how to tell the story. Yeah. Did you do you find that the um, the voices come to you, or do you find, or do you have to make them? Do you know what I mean? I think it's both. Yeah. For me, anyway. I I mean, there's certain characters uh, that I feel like I hear them in my head. Yeah. And when you get going, you will get to know that they become very distinct after really? a while. Yeah. Um, some are harder than others. Yeah. So my first long play, for example, um, I really felt like I knew those characters pretty well, and I really liked them. They yeah. were really funny to yeah. me. Yeah. They were ridiculous. In yeah. fact, that was the whole point, was for them to be really ridiculous. What was it about? It was a 1930s-style comedy. Okay. And Because I like that quick, quick, Yeah, quick, quick. yeah, yeah. And um, it was about... Um, there were four people that were essentially trapped in an old hotel it was really a, a rickety old house up okay. on the coast of maine during a nor'easter oh wow interesting and uh, yeah and so they were very distinct they, they were it was an, they were all having some kind of existential crisis and they were all guests they didn't know each other before? two were guests and two ran the two oh, people, okay. a couple gotcha. ran the hotel they had ended up there by happenstance um, and they were the most poorly suited innkeepers imaginable. Okay. <laughs> they were really terrible. And um, the, cup, the, the couple was actually a, um, an aging um, grade D movie star. Okay. And her ex-husband, um, who's a trans woman oh, okay. and, and a cycling activist at wow. this point. In the 30s? Well, no, no, no. The, the style is... A, oh, the or, style is the 30s, but this but is... But it's very contemporary. Gotcha. Okay. And it hit on all sorts of contemporary issues. Okay, gotcha. I had ageism, sexism, okay. cycling uh, politics. Right, gotcha. <laughs> you name it. It was all thrown in there like a big soup. Yeah. 
And, um, but Which is what our lives are like. Our lives are like. <laughs> but I, and I, I like it where they don't really address anything. They address everything. Yeah. And because, especially today, because nobody has a attention span. Right. So, like, you're right. writing these things, and, and you realize when we're all talking, nobody really... Nobody really waits for a sentence to be over and then answers that question. Right. Because nobody's listening listening anymore. Right. They're just on to whatever it is that they're thinking about. And everybody, if you have a, listen to a table full of people talking. Right. Half of the time, not all the time, but half of the time, they're all having their own conversation and nobody's really talking to each yeah. other. Yeah. So that's kind of what this play is like, too. Interesting. So they're okay. all in this room and they're all hunkered down during the storm and they're all sort of concerned about their own existential crisis okay. crises <laughs> and then does something work out through their conversations or kind is of. it yeah. I mean, in some cases yes yeah. i mean in in with plays something has to change something has to happen but i don't think that people always change completely i think they they all have different degrees of change right and, you know. right right and and That's they did in, in that way right um so but I worked on that play for a long time. Did you see it performed? Did I've seen it. See I've it? heard it read. You've heard it read. I've okay. heard it read three times, maybe four. It's possible fourth. Okay. And I'm like, I feel like I'm really close to uh, getting it really? somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Hoping anyway. Fingers crossed. Is it two acts? No, it's one act. It's a one act. Okay. And it's about an hour and twenty minutes. Okay. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So yeah, it just keeps, once people get in the room, they just go, 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 go. That's awesome. Yeah, I love plays like that. That's amazing. We'll get right back to our conversation with Margie Similoff after this quick break. I'm Chad Gurley, and you are listening to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. Hi, I'm Keith Parnell, owner and operator of KFresh Radio, Eureka Springs community online radio station. Tune in for local and singer-songwriter music, up-to-date weather and news information, and community connection programs like Homegrown Tales and this podcast. We'd love for you to listen. Just go to kfresh.fm and hit the play button. Thanks for listening and supporting local radio in Eureka Springs. kfresh.fm Now back to our conversation with playwright Margie Similoff whose short plays have been produced at a variety of regional and national festivals. Do you enjoy writing shorter plays or longer plays? I like both. Long plays are hard work, really, really hard work. Um, Short plays I find really easy, even though they're not always, some are better than others, obviously. Yeah. But um, with long plays, this one that I'm working on right now is... um, it's like I, I know, I kind of know how I want it to go, but there's huge gaps in it. Yeah. And um, I wanted something that had a Boston theme. Okay, yeah. And uh, the and I was trying to think of something iconic to Boston, and I was thinking about the duck boats. Do you know what duck yeah, boats are? Yeah, yeah. Sure. They're kind of all over the city. Yeah. And, and I, um, so I interviewed a woman that, Drives a duck boat. Oh, really? Oh, she actually is a tour guide. I guess she can drive. They, they have two people on right, the boats. Right, right. And um, so that was a lot of fun. I learned all about that. Yeah. But then I had to come up with a story idea. And for that, I mean... Can you give us a glimpse? It, well, it, it's... It, it, there's a, she used to be a teacher. Okay. And I got a story from somebody else who had an issue teaching, which 
created like a, a real motivation for this duck boat driver. Yeah. Um, her, you know, why the trajectory of her life went where it did. Yeah, interesting. But I'm, I'm actually wrestling with that whole thing right now because I still need more. And in the more, one thing I can do at home, which I can't really do anywhere else, is I, I live on the river and I can walk around the river. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And usually like, I can have like one epiphany when yeah. I do that. Yeah. But um, I, I just took a whole bunch of notes and brought them here and I'm trying to sorted out yeah. here which yeah. i've been able to do pretty well yeah. but i still you know i still have ways to go so when you see your plays being performed do you do you ever cringe have you seen some sometimes of like the 10 minute plays yeah well even the long one when i heard it read if you don't i don't always have access to the director right and exactly that's what i've always wondered yeah because, you know i once upon a time wanted to be an actor and when it going from the you know from writing um, to putting it in the director's hands and then having really no more control over it, you just never know. So. Well, sometimes they get it, and sometimes they don't get it. Um, especially if you've got this inner... Um, if you have a certain idea in your head about cadence and about um, like a, how something is going to be said, yeah. for example, and they don't get it... yeah. Like in my long play, there is a sentence where she's explaining that the actress is explaining something, and she says, "I want to be the Diana Knight." Right. And people were reading it. I want to be the Diana Knight. It's like, no. <laughs> no, 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 the. Don't you get it? Right. Did you ever see Sunset Boulevard? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there are little things like that, mispronunciations, yeah. or, and then sometimes they're so great. That they give you something that you had no idea was even there. Oh yeah, that's so it can true. go. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, um, I was going to ask you the play that you submitted for residency here had a transgendered character. Uh, was, oh, okay. When Baggage to... claim. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, was and so and then you said that there was a transgendered character in the. They Full all came. Play. Yeah. Is there a connection? Do you Just have a connection? Fortunate, I don't actually. Oh, that was so interesting. Actually, I didn't. Um, so I, I, it's odd, but I've got three plays that have transgender characters, and they're all somewhat related from the same original thought. And I kind of repurposed the idea. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the timing of when I was working on it. Uh-huh. So. In the um, in baggage claim, that was just a unique idea, having those people meet at the airport. And I mean, I've been in technology journalism for a long time, and I know how clueless I've gone to so many conferences, and I've met, you know, a lot of these not the hipster software developers, but the hardcore engineers. Yeah. And you know, yeah. they're sort of like these. There's a stereotype out there for a reason, right? Yeah. They're, very, you know, you know, these nerdy guys, some of them. And um, they're, you know, they, they might be, there's this clueless social awkwardness out there. And you meet people and, I mean, she was a beautiful girl. Right. She came off of the plane. Right. And he thought, oh, that's a beautiful girl. And lo and behold. Right. Like he missed a, a, a clue right. somewhere. Right. And, um and then it went back to the idea about prejudice and all that. Yeah, right. So there, that was distinct. But when I was writing the long piece, it just seemed like it wasn't 
it was more interesting to me to have a more complex character. Uh-huh. And transgender people are just super complex characters. Yeah. So um, I wrote the first version of the play just thinking I could wing it. But, of course, you really can't wing it. No, because you... Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many layers. So right. I ended up... Um, you know, I had a transgender actress read the part when I just had a regular reading within my own playwrights group. And she was younger. Yeah. And she couldn't articulate what I was getting wrong. Right. So I'm like, oh, i got to figure this out. So I reached out. I went on, you know, Google... Right. And I found a social organization in our area of trans people. Right, yeah. And so I, sh- I sent over an email and I said, oh, you know, I, I'm writing this play and I have this character and I need some help and advice. Right. So that was, that was just the greatest thing. So they, the person that reached out to me said, sure, come on over. Oh, cool. And it turns out that um, this, this person... This trans woman was a former engineer. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Like, like a senior director or something. Yeah. And um, said, you know, I tried to explain what I was doing with the play and with the character. She interviewed me. <laughs> oh, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Yeah. And then she said, and there were about maybe 10 people there that night or six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 people there that night, something like that. And it was just a... a, la- a club where they would come and relax yeah and um so she brought me into the room and she said okay read the play and we'll see what people think and i'm like read the play oh there's gosh. four characters yeah. in this play yeah. and she said that's okay <laughs> so i was like you know mel blank voicing <laughs> four characters <laughs> an hour and a half <clears throat> trying yeah. to act it out wow and they're all sitting there, you know, like glancing up at me in between their books. And it was, a mo- it was quite a moment. And yeah. um, when it was over, she gave me this, this, um, uh, how would I call it? Like a dissertation. <laughs> I don't know. This lengthy list of suggestions. Okay. And they yeah. were all like like analytical, spot-on suggestions for things that I should do to, you know, make this character a realistic character. Right, right. And and I really didn't have to do anything um, that much, except there were just a few things I don't remember specifically. But then the other good thing was she invited me to this um, conference that was local. And... um, said, you know, you should come and sit in on the sessions and talk to people, which I did. Oh, cool. And um, I went to one of the sessions, and I met this um, physicist for um, an astrophysics facility in the area. Wow. And she was like, a, she was a cycling activist. So that's where that idea came from. Oh, yeah, gotcha. You know, like, you yeah, pick yeah, up yeah. little things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was, so that's why the transgender, it was just a, happenstance you know yeah and then you ended up getting so much information i did didn't know before that's i did i learned a lot about the community yeah i mean mean, most people wouldn't have any unless you know somebody who's in the community you wouldn't really have any direct exposure although now it seems like it's so much more you know in the mainstream i guess so but i feel like i had like a crash course lesson yeah 
in in the issues of of transgender, you know, living. Yeah, yeah. So it's very interesting. Let's pause our conversation with playwright Margie Similoff and hear a poem read by Bella Vista poet Michael Fontana. An Ohio native, Michael has lived in Bella Vista for the past 11 years. He worked as an activist, teacher, and fundraiser before retirement. His poems most recently appeared in Emerge, the Writer's Colony online literary magazine, the Oakland Review, and the Owen Wester Review. He earned creative writing degrees from Charter Oak College and Miami University. Listen in. One of the things that's happened, I'm retired now, which is wonderful. You'll enjoy it if, you're, if you reach that point. It's a good to show vouch for that. It's a wonderful thing. You kind of get to do things that you really want to do and, and enjoy doing. And uh, One of the things I've taken on uh, is a part-time job at a golf course which I, I know nothing about golf, never played golf in my life. Um, but the golf course is like two minutes from the house, and it's a little bit extra money, it's a little something to do, and I'm kind of liking it. And one of the, my favorite part of working at the golf course is um, I get at night, I have to go close the restrooms on the golf course, and I get to drive around in this, this uh, John Deere Gator, they call it. <laughs> I get to drive around on that, and the, the, the course is closed, it's perfectly silent, and it's a wonderful course because they do a lot with, they bring in different kinds of trees from all over the place, they have all kinds of birds from different places, it's just wonderfully peaceful and silent and very, uh, I don't know, meditational, I guess is a word that I would use, and so I'm trying to write a little bit about this, this one's pretty, pretty early in, in the process of revising it, but I felt like kind of throwing it out there. Um, And it's just called Golf Number One because I don't know what the title is yet. So, July heat, greens crowded, and I, the purifying angel with a hose of holy water, every cart a wayfarer, weighted down with golf balls, scented with beer and cigar smoke, now washed clean. Meanwhile, from the woods at Fairway's edge, three deer bound to settle evening in its bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice moment. That was poet Michael Fontana. Michael has received such awards as the Older Writers Grant from Speculative Literature Foundation and a Sally A. Williams Artist Fund Grant from the Arkansas Arts Council. His past work provided creative opportunities for homeless people and people with mental illness, and that still gives him his greatest sense of accomplishment. I'm Chad Gurley, and you are listening to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. Now let's return to our conversation with playwright Margie Similoff. So you were, earlier you talked about kind of your process in writing plays, and so I thought it would be cool just kind of for other people to hear what you were saying, just in the sense that you write, you write it, and then... You tell me again. You tear it apart, or you have... Oh, yeah, it's... it's... What we're... Yeah, I mean, I think it's because of um, the way um, it sort of mimics the way uh, I would write a news story. Oh, really? In a way, yeah. in a way. Interesting. Because, like, in the old days when, you know, when the way old days when typewriters existed, I think people, and that was even, I didn't write on typewriters. They were gone by the time I got to college. Right. Well, that's not true. <laughs> they were gone by the time I started writing. Right. I mean, so in the old days, people had, they thought about it in their heads, 
and then it came out on their fingers. Uh-huh. I think that now most people would probably say that it comes out on their fingers, and then they look at the page, and then they edit it. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So when huh. I would do interviews for regular stories, I would talk to people, or I'd type as I was listening, and then I would look at the um, all the copy that I had, and I would try to carve it up. Yeah. <clears throat> so with plays, I think that what I do is I try to just write what I think is the story as much as possible until right. I get stuck. Right. And then some people will just keep going and they'll just have a huge pile of a word salad on their, in their computer. Right. And I don't know what they do, but in my case, I would go back and as I'm writing, I have to fix something because I decided I wanted to go in this direction. Uh-huh. So that means I have to go back onto page four or wherever. Right. Yeah. And, and fix something there so like a logically it's like a math like a right. quadratic equation or right something. yeah yeah otherwise i forget about yeah. it and believe me you write the plays get so complicated that you're still going to forget things yeah and when you do the reading somebody will always say well you know you can't read because back on page <laughs> so six, so it doesn't make do any that. sense and right. you're like oh, i forgot that <laughs> so it's like a million of those little holes yeah. that you have to find and plug yeah and then it has to make sense, like emotionally, yeah. or whatever. So it gets, it's pretty complicated. I really have a lot of respect for playwrights who have been career playwrights. Yeah. And they've, they've got the rhythm going. Yeah. They know where the play has to go to this climax. Yeah. And, like I'm still a, very much a student yeah. of that. But that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. So did you, do you, um, do you find these festivals, do you have like a list of festivals that you're always kind of submitting to? Is that the way, um, is that the way to get a play kind of produced and out there? Pretty much, I think. Um, so, uh, I belong to a couple of groups and they know, they, they pass around, hey everybody, you know, they're having a call for plays at such and such theater, especially right. if in the local area. And there's a few websites that you can go to where they'll post calls for plays that everybody kind of knows about. And then there's a lot of places that you don't really know you stumble on. Right. And I noticed that somebody on one of these big lists posts a bunch of university uh, literary journals. Uh Uh-huh. And they're always looking for plays, although that's not a production, but... I mean, you can get your stuff in a a literary journal. Yeah, that's Um, great. Yeah. Yeah, we just have we have a group here called Five and Dime here in Eureka Springs, and they um, they collect or they ask for submissions for ten minute plays, and they oh. just did one um, this past December, and it was really cool just to see the variety of. I mean, ten minutes doesn't seem it's not really a, a long time, and for people to have such different ideas, it's incredible, isn't it's it? It's yeah. really fantastic. I mean, it's fabulous. I think they're getting more popular these ten minute festivals. I mean, there's a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, there's probably a lot of work to to do. I've I've not never been on that side of it, but um, I mean, I'm one of the groups I belong to does have a festival of our own members yeah. plays, and I mean, you have to read them all, all the submissions, and select them right. and. I mean, there's not as many. Some of these festivals will get 300, 400, 500 That's submissions. That's what they do. Yeah, they get over no. 300, and you're having to read through those plays. And which... then they pick, like, I don't know, seven or something right, like that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and then, you know what's interesting about a 10-minute play is that you... 
I think it's almost kind of like, I don't know if I should compare it to poetry, but it's when you have that kind of, you know, confine where you have to stay within this, then it really, I mean, there's, I've, I imagine you must be so intentional about what you're writing and the way in which it's, the way in which it needs to move in order for it to have all of those elements within this short period of time. Yeah, I guess I don't think of it that way. That's probably true. I yeah. guess that's true. I mean, I, I try to, I feel like every, even in, in all the plays, I feel like every sentence has to mean something. Yeah. Um, especially the one minute play. Well, yeah. <laughs> There's no room for extra <laughs> there. But even in the long play, like I'll go back. I, one of the things I continue to do is I'll start deleting like you, the way we talk, you can't have that in the play. It's too much fat. Mm. I mean, you can't say, um, you can't have empty sentences or you can't have very many empty sentences. Right, right. Because it doesn't push it forward. Right. And it just gets really um, heavy very quickly. Right. That makes sense. So. Yeah. So this is your first time at the Writer's Colony. What do you think? It's great. I, I wish... Um, I wish it were down the street from my house. Yeah. You know, it's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. It's been fun to be in Eureka Springs, which is a cute town. Yeah. Writer's Colony is amazing. Great. You meet really interesting people. Yeah. Good. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank, Thank you, you for being with us. Thank you for letting me come yeah. here. It's great. Well, that'll about do it for this episode of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host, as well as Colony Coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow. On behalf of Michelle Hannon, our executive director, Yana Jones, our chef and housekeeper, as well as our amazing board members, I want to say thank you for listening. I hope that you will tune in again to our next episode. There's a lot going on in 2020 at the Writers' Colony, and we're excited that you're along for the ride. Until next time, Writers Rule. Writers Rule.